welcome to Out of the Blue from Maize and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. That podcast that recognizes a basketball school when it sees one. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you glistening land manatee. How you holding up, brother? You know, I'm okay. Embracing the fact that we are now a basketball school and football is just like this angry cousin you hate to see seasonally, but, you know, worse things have happened this year. It's more like a racist uncle that you really can't stand to be around, but don't really have much of a choice. Yeah, sometimes like you wish you could just like get rid of family and choose them, but you know, you're stuck with them. Kind of like we're stuck with Michigan football. We hate them right now, but you know, again, we'll find the way to love. Yeah, I mean, I will always be a Michigan fan no matter how bad it gets, and it'd be tough for things to get worse. I mean, it, at some points, it doesn't even look like they're playing football. I think they're probably closer to being a competent cricket team than a football team sometimes, but doesn't change the fact that we are, you know, going to bleed maize and blue until the day we die. Exactly. I definitely saw some rugby tendencies more out there, you know, some of the muddle huddles and, you know, wrestling for the ball and then just failing miserably. But we're still here. You know, it's not Invictus quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> and like we said before, like in 2020, there's so many more awful things going on that you can kind of just, you know, write it off as another lame thing that happened in this god awful year. Yeah. It's like, you know, after the games, I went for a walk. I calmed down. I went out with a nice lady and I continued living my life. Yeah which is probably what we're going to have to do for the remainder of the season, uh, as I don't anticipate things getting better overnight. Uh, yeah, things are getting better overnight, and we're going to get into that shortly. Yes, indeed. But first, let's start with something positive. Uh, the Michigan basketball schedule just came out, uh, and this is a team that actually has a chance to not be embarrassing. More so than that, they could potentially win the Big Ten. I don't want to get expectations up because uh, we've seen what happens there. Uh, mostly with football, but uh, this Michigan basketball team, something that you can get excited about, and the schedule looks very manageable. It does, and last year we were deprived because they won, what was it, the battle for Atlantis, and everything looked great, and they had struggled a little bit, and they were starting to pick up a little more steam heading into the Big Ten tournament, and then everything was just pulled out from under us. Yeah, exactly, and I think this will be a better team than last year. You bring back essentially everyone. Um, I think you do bring back everyone. Except Jeff um, Jackson. Except, <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, we're moving on from that. And that uh, transfer, Shonday Brown, is going to be eligible. Another year of Franz Wagner, who I heard is up to 6'10 now. That seems impossible. But if he's at 6'10, oh, mama. Do German people just not stop growing? Like, is that a thing? I guess. I mean, how, how much HGH are they putting in their meat there? <laughs> this kid in his strudel and his bratwurst is just continuing to grow. Yeah, right? I need to get me some schnitzel. Guy's like <laughs> 19 years old. He's still growing. I love it. 6'10 is, what was he like, only 6'8 like or just barely 6'9 last season? Yeah, I thought he was 6'8. So if he grew another inch or potentially two inches, I mean, that is a big, big dude. And I mean, he already was probably the best player on the team and I mean you add that in a year of development I mean big things coming for Franz Wagner you get Isaiah Livers back um, I'm excited for the for the basketball team and uh, game one is November 25th so I mean right around the corner yeah is that that's next week right it's yeah a week yeah, from so. recording right now Yep, absolutely. So I'll be tuning into a lot more basketball this year, especially with the way football's going. So we'll be talking more basketball here on the pod. So uh, give you something that you don't want to like just completely bang your head against a cement wall after listening to. We need to have some optimism just injected into the podcast and the fan base. And by talking about basketball, we hope to provide that. I think so as well. Juwan Howard, that's my dude right there. Um, I think that we got that one completely right. And 
I'd be fine with him staying there forever. Although we once said that about Jim Harbaugh, so I'm not going to say anything about anyone anymore. I'll yeah. just be proven wrong. Yeah, we'll just we'll wait it out. But right now, the number one recruiting class in the country. Yeah, I mean, and they're already signed, so. That is out here doing the Lord's work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so very excited. Very winnable schedule. Uh, games on Christmas and uh, New Year's Eve, which is interesting. But other than that, I mean, uh, no major surprises. Um Start with Bowling Green. Oakland will be a bit of a challenge. They always field a competent team. Ball State, Central Florida, and then December 9th, uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge against a, a quality NC State team. So it's possible that they start 5-0 and right out of the gate. NC State will be a challenge, as will Oakland. So uh, we'll see in this non-conference schedule, but I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, I really think they need to you know, obviously start the season off right and find like their chemistry and gel together with the Bowling Green game before Oakland because Oakland could – sneak around and just pull the upset early in the season. And I'm really excited to watch Isaiah Livers development because he could have left, although we thought he needed another year to really develop and all signs are indicating that he has. So if he can come out and be the dominant one for this team to just kind of take over and be the guy, then they don't even have to worry about gelling that much. If we have a superstar on the rise. I love livers. I'm a huge livers guy. I'm kind of in the camp of Franz Wagner being the guy this year though. Hmm. The 6'10", I don't blame me. He's his brother's size now with a better handle. Yeah, better handling, better defense. Um, I mean, similar shooting, but, um, I mean, he could be he could be an absolute stud. I mean, with that ball handling at that size, that's what the NBA is after. Yeah, so as long as that transitions well, uh, like the inches don't throw him off, like, I can't wait to see how Howard's going to utilize that kind of talent with he and Livers paired up together. Yep, I think Brandon Johns is going to improve as well. Excited to see him play. So, hey, I mean, something to actually hang our hat on at Michigan and be excited about. So, hopefully, uh, you know, we don't crater like we have in, with this football season. Yeah, it's like we're a basketball school now. We're just leaning into it. Indeed, we are a basketball school. But unfortunately, this is a football podcast, and we have no choice but to talk about the dark timeline that we live in. Perhaps the darkest timeline um, after another a humiliating an absolutely humiliating embarrassing loss to wisconsin it was so bad this is a new sensation for me when things were going south i was just laughing maniacally at them like normally i'll like get really mad maybe i won't throw a remote i'm not that type but like i'll be like man what's going on you know get angry i was just laughing because it's that bad yeah i, I normally only do that with my own suffering and pain like i'm just laughing at how my life has fallen apart in various instances throughout the years and yeah I was with you during this. It's just comical. Like, this isn't even happening. Like, this doesn't even register an emotional anger reaction because it's just so funny how bad it is. Let's uh, let's go through some of the stats from this game. You know, some of the big picture stats. So it's the worst halftime deficit in Michigan history. 28 points at the half. I think that might be in the big house, though. I could be mistaken with that stat. It's the worst scoring margin under Harbaugh. Lost by 38. It's the worst loss since 1935, pre-World War II. Yeah, the, the worst, yeah. worst home yeah. loss. The Tigers won the World Series that year. I don't know what else happened in 1935 because it was freaking almost 100 years ago. Hitler hadn't even invaded Poland yet. That's what, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. We had a lot of history yet to follow there. And uh, yeah, so worst yardage margin under Harbaugh, outgained by 249. Uh, one of my favorite stats was if you only count the first and last quarter, Michigan gained one yard in 30 minutes of football. <laughs> the worst first down differential under Harbaugh. There was 16 more first downs, which is, I mean, all of these are just laughable. It marks the first one in three start since 1967. 
Um, through four games, Michigan has been outscored by more points than Rutgers. Um, it's the longest losing streak since 2014, the last year of Brady Hoke. And uh, outside of Hoke and Rodriguez, it's the worst uh, at Michigan since 1967. <laughs> I mean, what, what else? Oh, yeah, here, here's another one. Uh, if you count the penalties in the first quarter, they finished the first quarter with negative four yards of offense. Badgers had 129, 129 to negative four. That's like what it used to be like with Durkin, except we were holding like Northwestern to negative four. Like, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Like, they did a good job with like Mertz. Like, I was like, oh, okay. They just, Wisconsin's run the same damn offense for two decades and they just ran the ball repeatedly, ran the same jet sweeps, the same power runs, the same play action passes. They've been practicing for like three hours before this game because they've <laughs> had coronavirus and they just completely obliterated our team. Yeah, Graham Mertz is 18 years old. Uh, he's been laying, I assume, in a hospital bed getting fluids for the last two weeks. They they wheeled him out in a wheelchair. He stands up and outperforms both of our quarterbacks. Um, that the the quarterback whisperer Jim Harbaugh has now had uh, what two over two years with Milton McNamara is still a young dude, but looked better than Milton in limited <laughs> limited reps. I mean, it, it's. It's it's hilarious. Like I, I find all of this hilarious. Wisconsin had half an hour to practice this week with a Nerf ball and came out and just <laughs> boat raced us. Just boat raced them with jet sweeps. Jet sweeps never work at any level. No. Like, who who runs that many jet sweeps? And every one of them was effective. Yeah, every every play they ran was effective. Like even they ran the ball, it was like tackling was optional. Like our safeties came down. Cam McGrone struggled. All Ooh. our linebackers did. It's like. What happened? Like, who hurt our team? Right? Like, emotionally. Did, like, every one of their girlfriends break up with them before the season? Because, like, you wrote about it in your, your article about what we learned, that it started, like, right off, right from the, the get-go. as they When they come out of the tunnel with, like, about as much energy as, you know, like a PTA meeting. It was, it was disgusting. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I couldn't understand it, like... There was no urgency. That's like it wasn't even a football game. Like I get it, the environment's not there with the fans, but that's for everybody. Like Michigan might not win a home game this season. No, that's entirely possible. I mean, our only like winnable game, although Penn State is also in in their darkest timeline. But I mean, if we don't win this game this week, that might be it for wins. <laughs> yeah, that might be it. Yeah, because Mike Loxley, all he's going to do is air the ball out with Maryland attacking our corners and. I don't think we can, we can stop them. I haven't seen any evidence of the contrary. No, no. And I want to go in a little bit of a rant here, if we're not already in the middle of one right now. Michigan right now has the number 79 defense in the country. Like, we were so used to top five every year, I think that we just kind of assumed that was going to be the case. We're number 79 right now. And before this game, Don Brown came out and said that he was blindsided by the criticism. He's blindsided by the criticism. All right, I'm going to try and keep my composure here. Don Brown is set to make $1.1 million this year. Jim Harbaugh is going to make $7.5 million. They're sitting at one and two after you got, you know, completely boat raced by Indiana. We know you're about to get crushed by Wisconsin. And he's blindsided by the criticism as though the number 79 defense in the country, like, what are, what are they complaining about? Number 79. Like, isn't that right where you want to be? Are you out of your mind, sir? I understand that you're 106 years old, but... This is completely unacceptable, and the fact that you don't understand why people are thinking this is unacceptable and calling for jobs, you're completely out of touch with reality. 
I mean, I understand like your grandkids are too old to play on this team, but dude, you need to get back down to reality, Don Brown, Dr. Blitz. I'm so disgusted by that dude. I want him gone by the end of the sentence. It makes absolutely no sense to say something like that. Michigan has lost five of their last six games, giving up over 400 yards in each of those losses and the 500 burger to Ohio State. Like, you know you're being bad at your job when that happens. That is just a fact. Like, you didn't just, ah, we didn't live up to this. No, you didn't execute. The game planning wasn't there. The motivation wasn't there. This was a systemic failure at every level of the program on both sides of the ball. But the defense especially, it's been 51 weeks since our last, since two victories. We haven't had two victories in 51 weeks. Like, I get it. The circumstances aren't ideal, but everyone has dealt the same hand. Wisconsin came into this game so handicapped with the coronavirus and Graham Mertz not being able to play. And they've been, like I said, they've been running the same offense for two decades, and they just right. pound the ball on us. I, There is no excuse for Don Brown to be there right now. There is no excuse for him to be there next year. It was just, and to make a stupid comment like that, like, what are you doing? Like, how oblivious are you to this? Right. You don't understand that there's criticism when we've given up over 400 yards in every single loss and your cornerbacks are completely overmatched. I mean, and we'll talk about recruiting too. Like part of it is recruiting. Don Brown is not the recruiter on defense that Greg Madison was, and it's starting to show and teams with far less talent. Like, I mean, Wisconsin doesn't recruit as good as us. Indiana doesn't recruit as well. Michigan state has like six dudes that last week were actually on the polo team and they just recruited them to come over and play football. And all of them look more competent on defense than our team full of four and five, a couple five stars and a couple three stars in there too. But as far as talent and getting the most out of your talent, Don Brown, like is gotta be among the lowest in, in all of college football with what we have and what we're getting right now. Number 79 defense and you're blindsided. I could throw up. We made Rocky Lombardi look like Brett Favre. What do you think Justin Fields is going to do to this team? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. I'm glad I'm going to be in the safety of home with, you know, friends and family around me to comfort me. But that is going to be if I didn't work for Maze and Brew, I would probably turn all these games off. But as we need to podcast about it, I will force myself to watch it. And uh, I mean, it'll be a lot like stabbing yourself in the eye with a sharpened toothbrush. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Keep the second half of Tombstone on in your Blu-ray player. So in case you just need to switch over for a good time and remember what fun is, you can do that. (laughs) Great call. I'd rather watch Val Kilmer's amazing Doc Holliday die a hundred times over on like a loop than watch this Michigan defense again. This, I I can't put into words how bad of it, like this loss was more embarrassing than the blowout in 2018 to Ohio State. No 2017 losses like this. I haven't seen a loss like this since 14, maybe. But even then, you touched on it off the air. Maybe it's a recency bias, but I can never remember a team being so disinterested. Right. Yeah. And I mean, right out of the tunnel, you could tell. And as bad as the defense was, you can't really give the offense a lot of passes, too. I mean, it was Joe Milton's first pass was intercepted. It was not on him. Nick Eubanks. I mean, apparently our tight ends have the firm grip of like a North Korean seamstress because they can't catch anything. I mean, they have they have the handshake of just like a decrepit elderly man that's like one foot in the grave. And they, they couldn't catch it, and it was Eubanks, and it was a tight throw. He definitely locked into him, but it hit him in the hands, and that did not help. Like, you could tell his confidence immediately went out the window. And by the time he completed his first pass, Milton, it was already 28 nothing. by the time Milton completed his first pass. That's, That's obscene. <laughs> that is repulsive. That is, <laughs> like, how bad was Dylan McCaffrey that he just got smoked in camp by this guy? 
I mean, I don't buy that Harbaugh can evaluate quarterbacks anymore. I, I think that Harbaugh, the quarterback whisper, is completely nonsensical. I don't think it's a real thing. I, I don't know what happened. Like, there was there's some kind of disconnect, and we talked about it off air. Ever since the 2018 loss to Ohio State, like, it's just been a different energy because 19 came out, and the team was so flaccid against Middle Tennessee State and struggled against Army. You know, but got it together, had some losses, but was not the same team. Like, we don't have the swagger of 16. We don't have the edge of 18. Like, I have no faith in the direction of the program. No, and not having guys like Winovich out there. And Hutchinson really does carry the mouthpiece for this defense. He's kind of like the heartbeat. So, like, having him and pay out, you know, Ambry Thomas, obviously. I mean, a couple other guys were banged up. And we got we got big problems with personnel right now between guys sitting out and injuries. I'm pretty sure that if you look at our top, like, eight ranked players, you know, coming into the season. I mean, who's out now? Ryan um, Mayfield, Pay, yep. Hutchinson, uh, uh, Ambry and Nico would surely be on that list. They're Ryan Hayes. Out. Yep, Hayes is out. I don't know if he'd be in our top eight, but yep. I mean, we were we were counting on him. So I mean, the guys that are out right now, it's it's pretty brutal. But that's that's no excuse for how bad it's looked. That doesn't explain how bad the product is and how little energy and enthusiasm there is on this team. And I mean. Somehow, like, it was so bad on defense that we may pull a five-star cornerback because he's looking at it like, oh, I'm the best cornerback on this, you know, on the field already, and I'm, you know, 17 years old. Wish he could have suited up that day. I don't know how the change hasn't been made to put Dax Hill at corner. Like, I don't get it. I Yeah, we've been clamoring from that from week one. Like, you see him in coverage, and he's with his guy. He gets his head around. Like, he could play corner, and he's going to be better than Vincent Gray. Like, I mean – Vincent Gray was not supposed to be in this position where he's supposed to be the number one cornerback. Like we're supposed to have, you know, and we'll talk about it with the recruiting supposed to have Ambry Benjamin St. Just was supposed to still be here. I mean, but he, he ain't getting it done. And I'd like to see the Dax Hill move. I think that's something that you could do that would immediately improve this defense. It feels like the only way to salvage anything like the depth at safety is much better than the depth at corner. And you need to put your players in the best position to succeed. And the coaching staff is just completely failing. And to the offensive side of the ball, the touches for the running backs are and the oh. skill position players are absurd. Like, what the hell is going on with we have all this talent in the back, the most talented backfield at Michigan I can ever remember, like one to four. And it's yep. I, I I can't understand what the like philosophy is behind it. Like, I don't know what the identity of the offense is. No, no, they don't have any idea. Charbonnet needs more touches. Haskins needs more touches. I mean, the design runs to Milton, they were sniffing out immediately, and they ran Milton a bunch. Um, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about this statistic, but I'm pretty sure that they didn't target a wide receiver in the first quarter. I, I could be wrong about that. I mean, it, it was brutal, and I've been harping on the running back rotation. It's nonsensical. Find somebody that you like and give them some touches. Chris Evans probably shouldn't be running up the middle ever. Blake Corum, you know, I, I like Blake Corum a lot, but I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that he's your every down back either. Haskins and Charbonnet. Charbonnet is going to freaking transfer if he doesn't get some more touches, dude. I am. That's the one thing that always makes me nervous about a new head coach is losing some of the talent here. Like, I loved, loved J.J. McCarthy coming out and publicly saying, like, stay in. Like, we're going to write the ship. Like, that, that does a lot for recruiting. Having yeah. a kid like that, it seems like a born leader five-star quarterback like hey stay in we're gonna write this and I hope he stays in like given the next head coach because we're both assuming that it's not going to be Jim Harbaugh but you got to bring somebody in that's going to be a player's coach that's going to put these guys in a position that can really just be a motivator like yeah 
uh, I mean, even if it's like, like we talked about last year, like it was definitely an outlier, but the LSU situation, you have an awesome OC, an awesome DC, and then you have the administrator up top that just motivates the hell out of you, makes you want to run through a wall. And that's what Coach O does, and that's why he's paid a lot of money now. So it's like, even if we just go that route to just get some guy that knows what he's doing, not just the Barney Rubble, Brady Hope character, but <laughs> you just get somebody right. up there that can get this team motivated again to buy into what he's selling would be huge. It's just, I, I don't understand where the motivation went. There's no fire in this team. No, there's no fire, no offensive identity, no defensive consistency. There's nothing to hang your hat on for this team right now. So it's, it is, it is truly the darkest timeline and you get a chance to write the ship against Rutgers, which, you know, at the beginning of the season, we probably thought we'd beat them by 40, but now it's probably going to be the closest game of the year. <laughs> oh it's, God. It's just when I haven't cried enough this week. It's bad, man. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I want to talk. Uh, we've been focusing a lot on the coaches, but I kind of want to talk about recruiting and what we got for personnel. And we'll break down Rutgers right after this. All right. Welcome back to out of the blue. We are doing our best to keep our heads high and talk some Michigan football. We, uh, Kind of just went on a rant there before the break, uh, talking about all the things that we we saw that were wrong with this team. And we've the last two weeks really focused on the coaching um, because it, it starts there. It starts with the head coach. But I also want to talk about recruiting, uh, specifically two positions that are clearly, you know, deficiencies on this defense and the lack of foresight and the lack of, I don't know what the word, preparedness maybe and having backup plans in case some of these guys don't work out. So uh, I want to we'll go back from to 2016, starting in 2016, his first full recruiting class. And uh, we kind of want to talk about who they got and what we have on the roster now. So we're talking highlighting defensive tackle and quarterback cornerback. Sorry. And David Long, Lavert Hill, David Long's the NFL is Lavert Hill in the NFL. Um, I think he, he didn't get drafted, right? I'm pretty yeah, sure undrafted. He undrafted but i think he's on like a practice squad somewhere but i mean lavert hill you'd kill to have lavert hill right now are you kidding me oh my god yeah he's on the uh the chiefs right now so good for him there you go quite a few michigan guys on the chiefs so yeah 2016 we get david long lavert hill both four stars and our best team was when both of those guys were out there on the field yeah david long is probably our second best quarter i've had during the harbaugh era behind jordan lewis Behind Jordan Lewis, yeah. Oh, actually, 2016 with uh, David Long and Jordan Lewis, excuse me, was the best cornerback. Well, that was, but Long wasn't starting. It was Channing Stribling in 16. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Long, he played, though. Yeah, he did play. He was the third corner that season. Yeah, he was the third corner. And then, uh, yeah, right after that, you really didn't lose much going from Lewis Stribling to Long and Hill. Mm -hmm. I mean, we still had top 10 pass defense. I mean, at times, it was like top three. Yeah. So, it started out really good with cornerback, but you inherit Jordan Lewis, the best cornerback that we've had in a long time there. Um, and then at defensive tackle, you get Carlo Kemp, who was a four-star defensive end, moved inside the defensive tackle, and Mike Duomfor, a three-star defensive tackle. And that's all you really got at defensive tackle. Duomfor obviously transferred out another guy that we would love to have right now. He'd be the best defensive tackle on our team if we had him right now, I think. The way he's playing at Rutgers and re-motivated. But his biggest issue was just staying healthy. Like, he could never stay healthy at Michigan. Right, which was a problem. But you'd kill to have him right now. So yeah. you lose Duomfor, you keep Kemp. So right out of the gate, you're kind of behind the eight ball in defensive tackle recruiting there. First of all, you only took two of them. And, I mean, Duomfor working out as a three-star was, you know, that was a hit. 
Um, but then you lose him. You couldn't keep him this year when, like, you need him. I, I don't know what he saw about getting passed up on the depth chart, but, like, Chris Hinton has not stood out at all, at, at, at all. And Carlo Kemp's just getting bullied. Yeah, and then Mozzie Smith is <coughs> behind again. I, I don't understand how far they fell off because Kemp has always had the quick first step, but he always just gets run over in runs in run blocking. Like, he just gets pummeled because he's just a little undersized, and they completely neutralize his quickness. Yep, absolutely. So uh, 2017, um, pretty decent recruiting class as far as defensive tackle, but listen to the names. Aubrey Solomon, five-star defensive tackle. James Hudson, recruited as a defensive tackle, later moved over to offensive tackle. And Philip Paya, who's still there, three-star defensive tackle, but I don't know that we've ever even seen him. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. You've, so you've got one of those those guys still on the roster, and he doesn't really play. Aubrey Solomon transferred. I don't know what he's done for Tennessee, but he got beat out. So, I mean, he never really lived up to his five-star billing. Uh, you lose Hudson, who would have been, I think, a solid offensive tackle for us, or you move him back to D-tackle at this point because we're so thin there. Yep. But, I mean, once again, I mean, whiff at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like so far, we have a defensive, a converted defensive end who at one time moved to linebacker, moved back to defensive end, and then into defensive tackle out of necessity. Right, and and that's what we have so far. So you got two recruiting classes, and you got one viable player. And I like Carlo Kemp a lot. He's from Boulder, where I went to school, um, and he seems like a nice dude, a good leader. But I mean, he's just not really that great of a. He's a far cry from Mo Hurst. God, we were so spoiled. So spoiled. Um, and then let's go over to cornerbacks and uh, pretty good cornerback recruiting class. Again, uh, Ambry Thomas and Benjamin St. Just both four stars. Ambry Thomas, I thought was going to have a great, great year for us. He's by far the biggest loss this year. And that's showing. Um, and then Benjamin St. Just transferred over to Minnesota where he's, you know, he's probably as good as Vincent Gray, if not slightly better. Yeah, he's serviceable, and that's what Michigan needs right now. But he had the weird transition out where he couldn't play football anymore, but then he could play football, and then I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. So so there you go. I mean, you look at, at that uh, recruiting class there, those names that we just mentioned, and one of them, one of those five players currently on the roster. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's awful. 2017 recruiting class was solid, but did not pan out at all. No, it was just and, whiff after whiff and any kind of retention. Yep, and then you can't keep Ambry Thomas, who was by far your biggest hit out of all those guys. So, I mean, it, it just kind of goes to show that, like, recruiting is playing a huge role in this, that we don't have anybody. Now, we've now listed two recruiting classes, and the only player that's seeing any min minutes out of those is Carlo Kemp. Like, that, that, that's not good at two very critical positions. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's a stat that said the biggest indicator of national championship likeliness or likelihood is defensive line recruiting. And Michigan's recruited defensive end, like, a lot better than the interior, but especially losing Greg Madison, man, it's just gone off a cliff, it feels like. Yeah, and Sean New has been struggling for sure. I like what he came out and said after Wisconsin. You know, he, he definitely and and to be fair, all the coaches took a little more ownership after Wisconsin. But the product at defensive tackle, we're just not develop developing them. So you're right, Madison ended up being a bigger loss than you thought. Um, before we get moving on, want to introduce our new sponsor, Homefield Premium Collegiate Apparel brand out of Indy. Um, so I'm not rocking my hoodie this time. Generally wear it for the podcast, but. Uh, 
just a little little depressed after last week, but it's my favorite hoodie. Uh, their new Michigan line is officially out now. Um, dig through the archives, find unique logos and mascots. I'm working on my Michigan basketball t-shirt now that that season is upon us. So really thoughtful designs. Print those logos on your tees, your hoodies, whatever you want to do. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner for your Michigan fan in your, in your life. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Check out Homefield. Get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at homefieldapparel.com. All right. So, moving on, we just talked 2017, 2018 recruiting at defensive tackle, uh, Julius Welshoff and Taylor Upshaw. Both recruited as defensive ends, but I believe we've seen them both at defensive tackle this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Welshoff, especially, played a lot of interior early on in the season due to depth necessity and looked good. Had the first sack of the season against Minnesota, yep. but. This is also his first time like playing organized tackle football. So right. not, again, not what you want from the experience factor and the talent factor. Like he's been fine, but it, we're moving him there just solely out of necessity. Like he he's built like a defensive end and should be there. Right, absolutely. You weren't expecting him to be starting at defensive tackle. You were hoping that right now Aubrey Solomon's there in the middle, Hinton's moving his way in, and you've got two five stars manning the defensive tackle position but instead you know you're relying on a converted defensive end that played like one year of organized football before he came to michigan and taylor upshaw who could end up being a player for us i think he's played a little more defensive end but they do move these guys around i'd have to go back and watch some tape but once again whiff at the defensive tackle position Welshoff could turn into something for us but like where's the four-star defensive tackle in this class yeah, and I've liked Upshaw at defensive end in rotation. Like he's had some really great moments, but when he's forced to play inside, that's not what he's not what he's good at. He's forced to do something just again out of necessity and out of his wheelhouse. But he's trying. But at defensive end, he's been more than serviceable. Yep, absolutely. So um, not really the best defensive tackle recruiting again. So now this is 2018. So you're in year three, and the defensive tackle position. What do you what do you have to show for three years of recruiting? Like that yeah. to me, that's a whiff. That is just uh -huh. yeah, it's just Carlo Kemp, a converted defensive end. Yep, once again, and and Welshoff, who could turn into a, a solid player, but I don't think he's gonna be a star. No, they're they're just they're still lacking. Just ever since Mo Hurst left the program in seventeen, like it's just been just gasping at like grasping at straws to hope one sticks. Yep, absolutely. Cornerback that year, you got a lot of names. They finally realized that they were really thin at cornerback, and they went out and they took five guys in the secondary, four of them um, recruited as cornerbacks, but only one four-star in this group. That group is Jamon Green and German Green. Um, German Green recruited as a safety. Jamon is currently starting at cornerback. Uh, Miles Spider-Sims, who I was super excited about, transferred to Georgia Tech. Um, so you lose him, your only four-star. And then you got Sammy Faustin and Vincent Gray currently getting absolutely housed by every receiver in the Big Ten. So you really strike out again at quarter. I think Jamon Green can end up being pretty solid. Though. I, I like Green. I, I've been a big fan of what I've seen of him this season. And Vincent Gray is a serviceable second was a serviceable second quarter last year. Like I felt great about him at that position, but not a number one. Like did not progress in this offseason and is slowly just regressing game after game. Yeah, I mean, he looked better last year, and I think a lot of it's confidence. I mean, when yeah. your name is getting called as much as his is for holding and pass interference and just getting smoked, like, that's got to kill your confidence. He's not as bad as he's been this year, but his confidence has just got to be so low right now. I always feel so bad for him, man. Like, I don't want to just keep 
picking on him, but it's like I blame Don Brown more than I blame Vincent Gray because he keeps getting left on an island to be picked on. Like, right. if your kid gets picked on at one certain location and you keep sending him there, that's your fault. Right, or at least teach your kid to throw a punch. Exactly. If Vincent Gray starts throwing hands, maybe we might get somewhere. <laughs> maybe that's where we're at in this season. Just start fighting everyone out there. Yeah, fighting or, you know, just give the other teams the runner or something and ruin their season that way. <laughs> we talked about that. We could ruin Ohio State's season by a couple coronavirus cases. Chestnut checkers, baby. <laughs> All right. So 2019 uh, defensive tackle recruiting was the best year for defensive tackle recruiting. You get five-star Chris Hinton. You get Mozzie Smith, four-star defensive tackle, and you get Gabe Newberg, who's actually played probably more than Mozzie Smith. But Chris Hinton has extremely underwhelmed in 2020. Mozzie Smith, I have not seen much of at all. And you're seeing Gabe Newberg, a three-star that I didn't even know we recruited, uh, who's getting more time than Mozzie Smith. And so, I mean, it looks like you whiffed on defensive tackle again, or it is the defensive line coaching. It is, you know, Sean Nua is not as strong. I don't know what it is but you haven't developed any of these guys. Yeah, the book is not out on them yet because obviously they're, yeah. they're sophomore season now. But yeah, so far, Hinton is a five-star has not been it. And just like Aubrey Solomon, the last five-star defensive tackle recruit just underperformed. Like there was never like the spark of, oh, this is why he's a five-star. Right. I haven't seen one of those plays from Hinton where you're like, oh yeah, okay. Like you're not even seeing like hints of it. And I, I don't know what, what that's about. I mean, sometimes guys just aren't it. We've had plenty of five stars come through that didn't end up working out. Will Campbell, stuff like that. But I mean, Will Campbell, at least you could play. And Hinton, like you said, I mean, he's a sophomore. He's, he's got a lot of time, but I, I don't think Sean New will be there next year. We need somebody that can come in and develop these guys. Yeah, somebody just come in here and piss him off and let him play angry. Like, Chris Hinton's a huge man. Like, right. just anger him. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll take a taser into Ann Arbor and I'll, you know, just give him a couple volts right before each game if that's what it takes. What's up, Chris? I'm going to fire you up the old-fashioned way. <laughs> I got a cattle prod here. <laughs> it's all right. We don't want to kill him. Like. Yeah, we just want him angry. <laughs> oh, man. And then at corner, uh, four-star Jalen Perry, who's starting to get some low. I mean, you may as well switch to Jalen Perry at this point. Yeah. Um, and then DJ Turner. And um you know, we'll we'll touch on uh, briefly. Andre Seldon recruited in 2020 at cornerback, who we're all excited about, but is only like five eight. So it, it, this is a lot of misses. Everybody that we just named, who do you have on of those guys that you you like that you're really high on? There are very few, and most of them are just some of the recent ones, like uh, Jamon Green. Uh, I'm still in with Perry and Turner, just because of like optimism that they can develop but there's not a track record of quarterbacks developing recently. So how can I have confidence in those two? Right. I mean, Lavert Hill last year, it was not his best year and not the best year that we've had from one of our corners, but I mean, Vincent Gray looked better. I like Zordich as a corner cornerback coach, secondary coach, but this is a lot of names that we just listed for very little production. Yeah. I just, I don't understand it. Like, there's no maximization of talent. Like, we're bringing in the names, and there's so much talent on this roster. One of the most talented I can remember at Michigan, but no development. Just zero anymore, and that's what we, Harbaugh was praised upon, like, in 15 with half a recruiting class. Got this team fired up and went 10-3. and three. Yep, absolutely. And you miss Greg Madison on the recruiting trail. Like, that was a lot of three stars we took in, in 2018. And, you know, stars don't mean everything, but they mean something. I mean, they tend to translate into more hits, the more, you know, stars that you have. And, you know, Don Brown is not that great of a recruiter. And it's starting to show. 
every <laughs> there's just there's problems throughout the program and there's too much talent on this team to be just pointed at the players like it's the people above them that are developing that are putting them in positions to just fail yep absolutely so i don't know just something i wanted to look at because we put so much on the coaches and even that's on the coaches because you're not recruiting and developing so it all co- goes back to the coaches i mean i, I don't really want to put this on the players um but you know they're the ones out there executing yeah. and now Let's talk about the closest game of the season, Michigan versus Rutgers. Which, for some reason, is in prime time, but I guess it will be a barn burner against perennial joke Rutgers, who uh, they're paying Shiano, I don't know, probably a third of what Harbaugh's making, and he's getting way more out of his players. Um, I mean, I, I haven't really watched much Rutgers this year, um, but I'm going to watch some tape before this game. They're currently the number 106 offense. Um, their quarterback play has, they're improved in everywhere. I mean, if you talk about how bad they've been, they're improved in every aspect. They have a better defense than us right now. The number 75 defense in the country, we're number 79. (laughs) And we're paying Don Brown $1.1 million. It is, we're two programs with complete opposite trajectories and traditions. Like Michigan is the winningest college football program that can't buy a win right now. And Rutgers is a laughing stock of a program historically. Now Greg Schiano's back and has them motivated and ready to play with zero talent on the roster. Like they have a few Michigan players on the squad or former Michigan players. They play with a purpose. They they played Indiana well. They beat Michigan State, something we couldn't do. Nope. So I mean, if you look at that, I mean, and who they've played, they beat an opponent we couldn't beat at home. And we've got to go on the road to Rutgers. I don't even know the name of their stadium. Bis- we're going to know. Piscataway, baby. Here we go, baby. Piscataway, New Jersey. Let's get it. Oh, and it's probably going to be the best chance we have to get an- another win. We have the same record as Rutgers. They're better coached than us right now. They're more motivated. Um, Michael Blumford is the best defensive tackle that's going to be on the field. Oh, this is so sad. It's ridiculous. I can't believe this is where we're at. This, what the hell happened? Like, where? Where is this? Like, what? what world are we living in? And we might lose this game. We very we could easily lose this game. Yeah, Rutgers is going to come out motivated and ready to go. And if you're Michigan, after the egg you just laid, do you just get fired up to go play Rutgers? Or is it just like the Michigan State game where if you start struggling, you play super tight and you allow them to pull away and do what they want. And then before you know it, you're down two scores. You've got to have some pride in the uniform and in, in yourself and your hope to one day get to the NFL to be able to shake off what's happened so far and come out here and play up to your abilities. And I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that there's something broken within the, the organization or within the coaching staff right now, but you got to find a way to get this win. You have to find a way to get this win because you'll get run out of town. I mean, and the fact that they did haven't moved on from Don Brown yet, I'd have fired him at halftime of the last game. And it has happened before. I'm pretty sure somebody last week fired their defensive coordinator at halftime. It was a smaller school. Um, but Don Brown's obviously going to be the coach against Rutgers. And I think they're going to move the ball on us. I really do. I, I mean, I, I don't know if Quiddy Pay is going to be back yet or not. I don't know about any of our offensive tackles. But I feel confident that Rutgers will move the ball against this Michigan defense. Well, Don Brown's originally from the Northeast, I believe. So if this game goes poorly, you just leave him in Piscataway. He can hitchhike on back up. Oh, perfect. You save on some fuel on the flight back. Exactly. One extra seat. You can just fill it with tears. Like, it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If somebody gets an extra pack of peanuts, this is a win-win. God, Jared, do you have a prediction? Yeah, I think Michigan does get the win, but I think it's uncomfortable. 
Uh, I, I think that it's probably pretty close throughout. Um, I predicted last week that our offense would get back on track. I laughed myself out of my own home with that. Um, but we should be able to move the ball slightly, and Gaddis needs to get his act together too. Find a way to run the ball, get the ground game going. Um, I, I think it's going to be something like 24-20 Michigan. Yeah, it's going to – I'm with you. It's going to be prob- maybe the last win I predict for Michigan this season. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it's – I think it's a, I think it's a win. I think it's a score, but it's going to be uncomfortable. It's like sex in a Volkswagen. Uh, <laughs> I think Michigan exactly. wins 34, 31. Okay. 34, 31. Yeah. I mean, I'd be thrilled if we could put up 34 points based on what I saw last week. Who do you think starting quarterback? Please be Cade McNamara. Just give us some spark. Like I can't, I, I hope it's Cade McNamara and we beat Rutgers by all of like eight points. And you and I are so hype on the pod next week about the future. <laughs> You know that we will be, and uh, I can't believe we didn't touch on that because that was the lone bright spot of last week was Cade McNamara threw a couple dimes. His first two passes were gorgeous. Mac Daddy came out there and ready to sling the pill, and we were here for it. Just the, I mean, it was like, oh my God, a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield with touch. We knew he was going to be good because that name, you can't be anything other than a quarterback with that name. In like 1865, you could have been a gunslinger, yeah. but now you can just be a quarterback it's with that name. It's the best quarterback name since... Colt McCoy or Joe uh, Kane from the program like you're just built to be a quarterback with a name like Cade McNamara and like Milton's got some sauce but the last name Milton is the the absolute lack of sauce Milton it's It's Milton dude it's the name theory it's like Tavon Austin gets a million chances in the NFL because his name is Tavon Austin but if his name was Doug Baldwin he would have been out in a year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin was a baller, but never got his recognition because his name is Doug Baldwin. who sounds like he works for State Farm. <laughs> Tavon Austin does have some sauce, so I'm fine for Cade McNamara. Um, I, I really am high on the potential of Joe Milton, but he can't read a defense, doesn't get off of his first read, and no touch. McNamara <laughs> had a lot of touch on those throws, so I'm Everything she's described of Joe Milton are key essential traits of a good quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I understand how that sounds. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's uh, all right, brother. Anything else from you? Please win. Just give give us one last victory this season. Don't lose to Rutgers, because I mean, I don't even know what we're gonna do on the pod if we lose to Rutgers. Cry. Yeah, we'll we'll just switch fully to basketball. We're just gonna pretend like the season ended. It it, yeah. it ended in Piscataway. We won't even address it. <laughs> just ignore everything that happened. Uh, is there a game this weekend? I don't think so. Ignore it. Ignore <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for out of the blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Follow us on Spotify. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is out of the blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, even in times of turmoil, go blue.